you know, there's a theme that runs really throughout the scriptures. I mean, you find it expressed in different words and different ways from uh, from the call in the Old Testament, for instance, to trust God before some epic battle that the Israelites were about to go in, or we find it when David is strengthening himself in the Lord. And we all the way down to Jesus' statement in the New Testament telling us that we ought to take heart because he has overcome the world and because of that we too shall overcome the world. Zerubbabel facing a monumental task far beyond his ability of which he had already despaired was told not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And from that, he understood that God would do the work through him. In the New Testament, Paul reminded the Galatians of this truth when he said to them, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And are you so foolish, after beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? It's a rhetorical question, of course, and the obvious answer is that uh, we cannot live the Christian life in our own power. We were never meant to, and for that, God has given us his Spirit. And for several weeks we've been saying that just as it is God's plan to save us by the work of his son on the cross, and we can add nothing to that work nor take anything away from it, and it is the only way in which we can be saved, so it is his plan for us to live the Christian life by his spirit, by not leaning on our own strength, but by rather by relying on, on God and by doing so when we do so we find that we are able to truly live this life our scripture reading this morning reminds us of the importance which Jesus placed on the spirit's work he tells us it's necessary for him to go away so that the spirit would come to us and he went to that cross and he paid for our sins just so the spirit could come to us and live in us And the life of God could work its way out into us and out of us. So this morning, once again, we're going to look at least briefly, more closely at the Spirit's role in our lives. So on the last night of his earthly life, on the night of uh, his betrayal, before he went to the cross, Jesus spent an extended period of time teaching his disciples. The Apostle John recorded that conversation for us, which, by the way, he did uh, by the ministry in and of the Spirit through him. And in that gospel, which bears John's name in chapters 13 through 17, we, which we refer to as the upper room discourse, Jesus talked about our relationship with one another and also maybe more importantly, our relationship with God. And central in his thoughts was the Spirit's place in our lives. And so in John 14, verses 16 through 18, we read this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. (coughs) The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And what I want to do is to take some time to take this passage apart piece by piece to try to unpack it uh, and so we understand it better to get a better grasp of what it means and so the first thing that uh, Jesus tells us here is that he will ask the father and he will give you that means us another uh, advocate to help us and that advocate is of course the Holy Spirit and we're not going to spend any real time on this uh uh, because we've already talked about it uh, in length, but I want you to be aware that, uh, that this passage here, um, there's, there's a long-standing controversy over just who gives the Spirit. I mean, this verse seems to be saying the Spirit comes from the Father, but there are other passages, uh, our Scripture reading being one of them, where Jesus said that he would send the Spirit. But I want you to know and think about this, remembering that God is a trinity where each person of that trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, act in concert and unity. It allows us to understand that both the Father and Son sent the Spirit, and the Spirit himself comes to us, and there is no conflict in those truths at all. The real takeaway here, however, is the unity of the Father and the Son in sending the Spirit to us. Jesus asks, and the Father sends his Spirit. You see, it's God's will for us to have the Holy Spirit. And then in this passage, he goes on to tell us five or six things about the Spirit's relationship to us. And so first, and again, we're not going to spend too much time here. We've already talked about uh, this uh, uh, in a good deal. But for completeness sake, uh, to help us to remember, I want to point out and remind you that the Spirit is here to help us. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you. You see, the purpose of the Spirit's coming to us for the believer is to enable us to live the Christian life. Now, we said this over and over again, but I'm sure that we can't say it too much, for we often revert back to trying to live this life, to do this thing in our own strength. I don't know how to illustrate this to you. I've struggled trying to, to, to come up with a way to try to communicate what happens here. And maybe the only thing I can tell you is is that I know there are many times when I am trying to accomplish something and it's all me that's doing it. And, And when I stop and I look at that, I don't experience, it seems like I don't experience any power. It seems as though though it's like pushing a boulder up a hill. When I stop and I think about it, I realize that all of my, well, All of me is relying on me. It's all about what can I do to make this thing happen. And I find that when I'm relying on God, when I'm relying on the Spirit of God, that I might be pushing that same boulder up a hill. But now I find that there's joy in it or there's peace in it or there's some kind of power there's a sense that I'm not alone that right on that border neck boulder next to me is the spirit of God and he's got his shoulder on it and it's not dependent on me he's called me to do this thing whatever it might be 
but it's not dependent on me. It's the living God working in me and through me. So the Spirit is here to help us, to help us to live the life God God has called us to. And he is always here to help us. So again, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now listen, this is really one of the great truths of the Christian faith. The Spirit now, since the resurrection, has come and he remains in the believer. I think we've talked about this before. In the Old Testament, he simply came upon a person, empowered them for a task, and then they departed. But with us, he lives in us. He is with us forever. And, you know, that really ought to be a great comfort and an encouragement to every one of us that are here today. You know, if you're anything like me and you are then you still sin and you still do things that you shouldn't do and you still don't do some things that you should do and you know sin is a separator right I mean for the unbeliever his or her sin separates them from God and, and, and that keeps them from finding that eternal good as long as they don't come to God for the believer, however, our sin separates us from our fellowship with God, from our relationship with God. It's our relationship that becomes, uh, well, it falls into disrepair. It's still there, but it's not all that it should be. And, and when that happens in your life, and I know it happens, it happens to me, when that happens in your life, the feelings that accompany that broken relationship, those, those feelings of disappointment in yourself, you know that, don't you? Those feelings of letting God down, you know what that's like, don't you? The feelings of shame and guilt, those feelings that we wish we never had to taste or know again, all of that can weigh us down, weigh our hearts down, even to the point of despair. And we can... We can by our sin, it's true, we can by our sin, grieve the Holy Spirit and even quench his fire in us. But I'll tell you one thing that never happens. He never leaves us. He is always in us. He is always there for us. And he will restore our fellowship with the Father the very moment we turn to God. As a matter of fact, my friends, the moment that we even start to turn to God. The Spirit is there to draw us right back in to that relationship with the Father. You see, we fail all the time, but He is always true, and that's something that we need to know and remember. So the Spirit is there to help us, and He is always with us. He will never leave us. He's always there. And then the third thing we see here is this. He's true. (laughs) He's faithful because he is, as verse 17 says, the spirit of truth. It it identifies who the spirit is. Uh, It it tells us both who he is and what he does. You see, the Holy Spirit is true. Jesus said of himself, you remember that, on that same night, that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And so the Spirit is like Jesus. He's truth. 
And the Spirit also leads us into the truth. As Jesus was the way, so the Spirit leads us in that way. And if we think about this in relationship to the previous point, we know that the Spirit will not leave us, that he is always with us. Even when we're doing things we're not supposed to do. Even when we're not doing those things we ought to be doing, he is always there, but he never condones our sin. And you know what he won't do? He will not allow you to remain in the darkness. As long as our relationship with God is in need of repair, the Spirit will speak that truth to us. And as soon as we turn back to God in repentance, he speaks the truth of our forgiveness to our hearts. You know, our enemy tries to blind us to our own sin. He tries to keep us from seeing it. He, he offers us excuses and reasons for the doing the things that we do. And then when we turn around and repent, he, he tries to keep us locked up in the land of guilt. He whispers to us, how can you be a Christian? What would God have to do with anything like you or any person like you? And the Spirit speaks. He speaks the truth to you. He tells you you're not living the way you ought to live. He leads you into the truth. And when you repent, he says the Father loves you and he is with you. And I will never leave you or forsake you, neither will the Father. Uh, Holy Spirit's ministry in our life is powerful and dynamic in that way. He's come to enable us to live the Christian life, and he's faithful to that task, never leaving us. He's always with us, and he is both true, and he leads us into the truth. And then Jesus tells us something interesting. He tells us the world cannot accept him, meaning the Spirit, because it neither sees him or knows him. Now, I think you and I understand that. At least I think we do. I think we, we, we know that understanding and knowledge and life belong to those who put their faith in Christ. Those on the outside simply don't know the things that we know, so they can't know the Spirit. It's not that we want to exclude them. It's not that God wants to exclude anyone. It's just simply impossible to have those things without having Christ in your life. So as believers, we are in this privileged place of having the Spirit live within us. And his very presence makes a difference um, in our lives, and it makes us different from the world. And it's not a difference that we have to work at. I mean, yes, we're supposed to avoid sin, and we do that, of course, best when we do it at all by the power of the Spirit. And yes, we're supposed to follow God, and that, too, is the work of the Spirit in our life. But, but his Spirit within us makes us different. We have been born again. God's life is in us. We're no longer the walking dead. We are alive to Christ and in Christ. We, we experience that difference in two different ways in our lives. One is when we're at the company of unbelievers. You've been there, haven't you? Especially if there are a lot of them around and there are a few of us. We, we feel as though we don't belong. We, we feel as though we're on the outside. I mean, we want to be there. We, we love them. 
we want to be with them. We want to be in their lives uh, so that we can help them come to know Christ. But, but it's not always a comfortable place to be, is it? That's because we're different. We're not like them in our hearts anymore. And then there are those times. And there's wonderful times when we're with a group of believers and, and we feel just like we're at home. Can I say it again? I know I say it a lot. Just like Ann and I felt the first time we walked into this church. We felt the presence of the Spirit. We felt like we had come home. And, and so God is uh, makes his, his presence felt on us. We... we we have a sense that we're a part of the family. We know that we are on the inside. We don't want to keep others out. We want them to come in. We want them to find the life and the joy and the peace. But there's a real difference between us. And the world cannot know the Spirit, but we do. Verse 17, again, it says this, The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So for those first disciples, they knew the Spirit before he ever came because they knew Jesus. When Jesus said, you know him, he meant since they knew Jesus, they knew the Spirit. That's what Jesus means when he says he will live with, he lives with you. Right now he lives with you. Jesus, whom they knew, was living with them. And that Spirit, when he came, would then be in them and they would know him because they knew the son knowing the son means you know the spirit and if you know the spirit you know the son and without the son you simply cannot know or receive the spirit and so the spirit has come to enable us to live the christian life and he's faithful to that task never leaving us he's always with us and he is both true and he leads us in the truth, and his presence in our lives makes us different than the world around us. And finally, we're told that we're not orphans. We're not left alone in this world. Verse 18 says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus has come to us. He lives in us through the Spirit. And let me add, if you would, the Father lives there too. In John fourteen twenty three, Jesus told the disciples, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with them. You know, the Trinity, the Father and the Son, live in us through the Spirit. We're not orphans. We may not be at home yet, but we're with family. Now, those of you who have lost a parent know that loss is real my mom uh, has gone, been gone now for going on uh, six years in the last ten years of her life she had Alzheimer's at some point she no longer even knew when we were around but even then we could at least be near her but not now sometimes I think of her maybe I'm standing in the kitchen maybe I'm driving down the road maybe I'm walking somewhere and I think of my mother and I say out loud really involuntarily I say oh mom because I miss her I really do 
I just wish I could see her again. I could talk to her. I could be around her and know what she was thinking. I don't spare because I know I'm going to see her again, but I miss her now. At our church in uh, Illinois, Charlie told me of the day his father died. Lying there, he said to Charlie, he said, I want to go see my mom. I haven't seen her in so long. And Charlie is thinking, yeah, but Dad, we need you here. We don't want you to go. The loss of an earthly parent is real. We feel it. We miss them. We look forward to seeing them again. But we aren't in that place when it comes to God. We are not orphans. Our Heavenly Father is always with us, always through the presence of His Spirit in us. We are never separated from Him. He is there for us all the time. Maybe we can think of this in uh, in a positive way. I can remember when I was a really little child. (laughs) I can remember thinking about my dad and thinking how safe I was when I was with him. I I really did. I just felt like there was nothing that could happen to me as long as I was with my dad. Riding in a car, almost in an accident, I felt safe because dad was driving. Of course, my dad was just a man. I know that now. He couldn't have kept me from all harm, the things had happened that were outside of his control. But but it is true with God. You understand that. Nothing can happen in your life. I don't care what it is that's outside of his control. And whatever it is that has happened in your life or might happen in your life, he's there with you. However hard something may be, God is right there with us and he walks those lonely paths with us. And some of those things are so very hard and God right there with you getting you and me through those things the trinity big theological word but the father and the son through the presence of the spirit lives in every single person names the name of Christ. And because of that, we're not orphans. And the Spirit will never leave us. He's our advocate who will help us to live the life he's called us to. He is the truth, and he will lead us into truth. Even though the world cannot know him, we do because we know Jesus Christ. So I realize I probably never said a thing today that you haven't heard before. But I know that many of you haven't learned yet. And I am still in the process of learning what it means to walk in the power spirit it's not just 
words. And the first step is knowing about the Spirit and knowing what the Scripture says. And the second one is trusting it. It's simply opening yourself up to His work in your life. And I'll tell you something that will happen. It might not happen right away. It might not happen the first time. Your world will be shaken. The building you're in may not shake. But your world will shake. And you'll never go back. You'll fall away. You'll, you'll fail. You'll do all those things. But once you've tasted that, once you know what it's like... You'll never want to go back. You'll always want to walk in the power of the Spirit. So on that night, the last night on the earth for Jesus, one of the most important things he did and said was to tell us about the Spirit. And he did something else on that night. He, he took a, a meal that the Israelites had been observing for 1,500 years. And he invested it its real meaning. The Passover was a picture of God protecting us through Christ. That blood shed on the cross is put over the doorposts of our life so that death will not touch us. And when we gather here at this table, we remember what Christ has done for us. And we remember that night. And we remember where he went. And we look forward to another day when he will come back. So, those men who are going to help me with uh, the Lord's Supper, if you could come forward.